Ladies, I have a New Year's resolution for you that's actually easy to keep. This is the year to finally stop wearing uncomfortable bras. Support for today's episode comes from Honey Love. Honey Love has revolutionized the bra game, so you no longer have to deal with uncomfortable underwire without sacrificing support. You'll immediately feel and see the difference. Their bras are so comfortable, you won't want to take it off. And for a limited time only, you can get Honey Love on sale. Treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com ratchet. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off. Honeylove.com slash ratchet. After you purchase, they'll ask where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Start the new year with confidence thanks to Honeylove. Support for today's episode comes from Jeannie Kane. Perfect timing, honestly, because the new year is here and my wardrobe could definitely use a refresh. Jeannie Kane is a California brand through and through, and their staples make getting dressed easier than it's ever been before. Think minimalist and effortless, but totally refined. From luxurious cashmere sweaters and iconic accessories to elevated versions of your everyday basics, not to mention the most incredible home essentials too. Find your forever pieces at JeannieKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code RATCHET at checkout. That's 15% off your first order. J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com. Promo code RATCHET. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Tonight, only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Does anyone here know the lyrics? Prove it! Taylor Swift, the Eras Tour. Taylor's version. With four additional acoustic songs. Streaming tonight, only on Disney+. Plus. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either... You are listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. Yo, we came so close to not having a podcast today. And I was really upset about it because my contract for the new podcast, like an offer is out, the deal is closed, but I haven't actually signed it yet. I was going to have to call my production team and be like, so, hey, about today's episode, last minute, I'm not going to make it and the advertisers are going to be pissed. Y'all. I knew when I decided to come to Johannesburg, I did my research for here, just like I do every other place. I knew of the concept of load shedding. In short, it's Johannesburg has a very old energy grid that needs to be upgraded and it's not able to supply enough electric to all of the people that need it. So they do essentially rolling blackouts throughout the city. So I was aware that this existed. I was like, okay, load shedding. Like, how bad could it be? A couple times a week, you don't get power. Okay. I read that there was an app. And so you find out in advance where you won't have power. And so you just schedule your life around this time. And I was like, okay, two, three times a week for a couple hours, I won't have power. Y'all, I've been here for 36 hours. The power has gone out three different times. It just came back on. 
And when I say just came back on, I'm recording this podcast at 8.39. The power came back at 8.30. Most of the day, I went to the mall, huge mall, gigantic mall, good mall at that. Reminds me very much of like Atlanta. Johannesburg is very similar to Atlanta with the decadent restaurants of L.A., but definitely the black people like Atlanta and they stunt like New York. Um, I made that observation 10 years ago and it still holds true. And the men are forward like West Indians in Brooklyn. It's, it's an interesting place. I'm really enjoying myself. Now, now that I figured out like, you know, very basic things like electricity, I had to go buy this thing called a UPS. I don't even remember what it stands for, but I wanted to get a generator because I know I needed a backup battery supply in order to, you know, have electricity when the power keeps going out. And everybody was like, no, get an inverter. I'd never heard of inverter before yesterday. And then the inverter people were like, yeah, you can do an inverter or a UPS. A UPS is essentially like a large battery pack. I paid a small fortune for it. But, and I came over here with all of, you know, my converters that I plug into the wall. I was just going to, you know, stick my, my laptop charger in the adapter. My laptop was like, nope. It did some shit where like just the light kept blinking green. And I was like, what, what the fuck does that mean? It was like charging for half a second and then not. And then charging for a half a second and then not. And the thing that it was plugged into was making this cackling noise. And I was like, oh, no, I'm about to fuck up my laptop. So couldn't charge my laptop all day yesterday or today. And I was like, yo, I really did my research. I really did think I planned this out. And apparently not. But fair enough. I was able to go to the mall today and get fixes for... For most everything, I, I bought a the, the UPS thing and then I have like an extension cord because the UPS, I can only charge one appliance at a time. So I got an extension cord that goes into the UPS um, and the UPS lasts. I got like a, a decent one. The UPS lasts for, I think, six hours to charge a laptop and the power only goes out in two hour increments or sometimes four So at least I can have my laptop charged. Um, The Wi-Fi never goes out. Even when the power goes out, the Wi-Fi has a backup. So it stays on. What else did I get? Oh, I had to get an industrial size flashlight. Y'all, I came home. (laughs) The power was off. So my apartment is super dark. I've only been here for one night. So I'm still like learning my way around the apartment. I had to drop all my stuff at the door and then dig in my bag to get the flashlight out. And I was like, please tell me this thing is sold pre-charged. I'm walking around from room to room holding this industrial strength flashlight like I'm on a camping trip or some shit. Meanwhile, I'm in a very ritzy part of the city. From what I read, it's like the most expensive square mile in Africa. And just so you know that I'm not trying to like flex, I paid the same thing that I paid for my loft in L.A. for a two bedroom with panoramic views of the city. It's a dope condo, too. There was something else I had to get. Oh, some more wall adapters, because the ones I got, it's a different electrical current from America in South Africa. It, it's not just an adapter. It has to, like, convert the electricity, too. And then something about, like, because the power keeps going on and off, something to protect the electronics from power surges. Like, it's, it's, it's an ordeal. It's an ordeal. And then shit that could be very, very simple is very, very complicated, because they need my... Everything operates off of SMS. 
and they only SMS the South African number. So like the whole time I was in Ghana, I never bothered to get a Ghana number because I just operated off of my American SIM card and I was fine. So extra $100 a month. Everyone from America can text me. Everyone in West Africa can WhatsApp me. Like it was fine. But here, like I was trying to order groceries earlier today because I need water and I don't want to carry like, you know, cases of water back to my apartment. So I was trying to order my groceries just to, you know, cut down on all the errands that I had to run. And everything was fine until they were like, oh, no, we only accept South Africa SMS. And I was like, are you kidding me? So then I had to like, you know, add that to the list of things to do today. Luckily, I had a backup phone. Remember that Samsung that I bought before I went to Ghana? It literally sat basically in storage in Ghana. I've never used the thing, never taken a single picture on it. But I had to go get a SIM card for it earlier today. So now I have officially a South African number so I can like, you know, operate in this new land. I told you I hate day one. And day two, and basically the first seven to 10 days, because it's not fun. It's just setting up a new life and doing all the logistical stuff I hate doing. I'd rather just record the podcast or write or gallivant or any of those things. So, yeah. But so far, so good. I haven't really done much since I got here. I went to dinner last night because I had absolutely no food in my refrigerator. And I landed at, what, 9.15 in the morning and somewhere around 8.30. I was like, did I eat today? And then realized I hadn't. So there's a restaurant in the basement of my building, which is also apparently a lounge. But I went down to the restaurant and I intentionally sat where everyone was crossing paths to go to the lounge area where there was a DJ and such. So the last time I was in South Africa was, what, 10 years ago? The first time I came here, it was my first trip to the continent. And I came with my then boyfriend, who became my husband, now my ex. We came here together. And in the following year... I came by myself to stay with the same person that he and I had come to visit, my friend Stephanie. And I don't remember the guys being attractive. In my head, in private conversations with my friends, I had been talking about, you know, like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to date in South Africa because I really, you know, just don't find the men attractive. But last night, I'm sitting at the restaurant in 45 minutes, like two nines walked by, two eights, and nothing below a seven. And I was like, holy shit, I must have been deep in love with that mofo, like to the point that I wasn't even noticing the men were attractive. That shit's crazy. Because last night, I was like, damn, damn, damn. I'm sitting there drinking my wine, trying to, like, be easy. But also, like, you know, sitting where I can see everyone and everyone can see me. Yeah. And then I went to the mall today. Like, it's a gorgeous mall. They have everything here. But, like, everything in the sense that it's not what we have at home is different shit, but equally it's dope. And everyone kind of, like, dresses their asses off here, too. Speaking of asses, I thought the asses in Ghana were big. These women, teeny, 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 tiny waist. These gigantic asses. Now, some of them might be bought. But if they did, they bought the thighs to match. I was like, who knew? I mean, I guess, like, you know, everybody that is from South Africa or has lived in South Africa or has, you know, visited South Africa in the last 10 years. But, you know, that's, I mean, that is the point. Okay, moving along. Now that I got the electricity thing, I think, under control, we're going to see what happens the next time the lights go off. I think they go off three times tomorrow. My hostess was like, oh, yeah, the lights don't usually go off. The electricity usually doesn't go off on the weekend. And I was like, lies you tell, because I'm looking at the app. 2 to 4 a.m. Again, I think 4 to 6.30. I was like, y'all killing me right now. Y'all killing me. I'm walking around the house in a goddamn flashlight like I'm on a goddamn camping trip. I said I wanted to see Johannesburg. I said I wanted to come here. I said I, was, I would take what comes. I want to be here for 90 days and experience the culture. This is part of the culture. This is what I signed up for. But Lord. 
I haven't been able to catch up on a lot of news in order to get to South Africa. I took a seven hour flight to Paris. I had a 13 hour layover in Paris and then got on an 11 hour flight to Johannesburg. Didn't run around all day yesterday. I had big plans to run around, but was trying to sort my life out and then ended up climbing into bed at like, I don't know, three o'clock, four o'clock, because I was exhausted from traveling and gallivanting around Paris. So I didn't get much done yesterday. And then I had a late start today and had to run errands to, you know, get electricity and shit. I haven't been up to date on news news. I will tell you this. I did get my bay tickets for Paris and it wasn't a mortgage payment for them. I saw somebody, um, who was posting online, he said he was bragging, really, that he paid $4,000 for Bay tickets. Me and my friends were up. It was 4 o'clock my time. my time. I'm trying to coordinate with, I'm in Johannesburg. One of the other travelers is in Ghana. And then another one is in New Jersey. So I very much could have been up. What is this? Researching for today's podcast. But I was being trifling and trying to get these damn Bay tickets. Indeed. I have been staying abreast of a couple things, though. Remember last episode, or maybe it was one before it, maybe it was last episode, we were talking about um, the Grammys and Viola Davis officially became an EGOT because she got a Grammy, obviously, for her audiobook. I thought it was important to mention that there are only three black women who are EGOTs. It was Whoopi Goldberg just out there on her own alone forever and a day. And then Jennifer Hudson got one, I think sometime last year, because I remember talking about it. She was a producer for a play that got a Tony. And so that's how she got her official EGOT status. And and then Viola Davis obviously got one the other night. So it's just three women. And it's not a whole bunch of people. I think maybe it's like 10, 12 people that are EGOT status. So three of them to be black women, that's very, very, very good. Very good, as our friend Tabitha would say. Um, in good black news, we need to talk about Notori Naughton. And she and her husband appeared in People. She's super prego. They got married. I want to say it was last year. It hasn't been so long ago, but maybe like a year and change. But she and her husband have announced that they have a baby on the way. Beautiful, beautiful bump pictures. She's super prego. She looks like, I would say like seven, eight months. You've been hiding a bump all this time. I know you don't owe us shit. I know you ain't got to tell us nothing. I'm not mad at it. I told y'all if I ever got married again and had a baby, I wouldn't say shit ever. I'd pull a whole Kerry Washington, use context clues to figure out what's going on. But me address it? Never. Never. But congratulations to Notori Naughton. She's a sweetheart. She and her mama. Many, many, many years ago, we worked on a campaign together. Was it Oroquit? It was the at-home HIV testing. You know how once you meet somebody, you keep running into them like over and over and over? Once we did that project together, like every time I would go to an event, I would run into her. And then she was there with her mom one time. Her mom gave me... um. Really kind words of, uh, of encouragement and advice when I really needed it. I really wasn't in a good place. And her mom did some black mama shit <laughs> and spoke into me. Make sure somebody's child wasn't out here in the world feeling halfway and feeling defeated. I appreciate the family for that. Oh, D Barnes. Remember on the Grammy episode, I had things to say about Dr. Dre? Not so much for receiving an award, but for a whole award being named after him. And I specifically said, like, yo, I wonder how D. Barnes feels about that. Like, this man, like, you know, is publicly known for beating your ass. Everyone knows it happened. And then largely, you know, people act like it didn't. And I think it happened in 1990. I was on my friend's page the other day, L. Michael Gibson. I have to keep talking about him because I'd be on his page 24-7. But there was a conversation on his page. And a couple people in the comment section were like, hey, like, I get it. Like, this horrible thing happened to you. But it happened in 1990. It's been 30 years. 
You're trying to punish a man for something that he did when he was in his 20s. It was 30 years ago. He was an abuser, but is he still an abuser? And I was like, I would like to take this opportunity to point out that multiple women, at least four, have accused Dr. Dre of beating their ass. The first to our public knowledge was Dee Barnes, which have you ever read her story of what happened? He bashed her head into a wall. It wasn't like he got upset with an interview and he like, you know, pushed her even to say like he singularly slapped her and not to say that that's okay. I'm not trying to justify that, but I make a distinction between someone just loses it for a second and is immediately regretful versus someone does some crazy shit. Like he beat her. Like it was a prolonged beating. For sure, that wasn't the first woman that he hit. Michelle Light has also accused him of beating her. There was another woman. She's listed in this Rolling Stone article that I'm about to read to you from because Dee Barnes did an interview with Rolling Stone after the Grammy because, you know, she wanted to share her thoughts on, on Dr. Dre. His ex-wife, they were married for 25 years. She also accuses him of beating her ass. So I just want to be clear when we talk about what he did or what he does. It's not like this singular event that happened back in the 90s. There's a pattern of this over a 30-year period, which also makes me want to ask, how badly do you have to beat a woman or beat women in order for people to be like, hey, enough is enough. We can't support you. We can't stand by this. Because the number's not four. Is it five? Is it six? Is it seven? Just let me know what the number is. How many women does a man have to beat before people are like, you know what? We, we, we're not going to name an award after you. We're not going to publicly celebrate you because you do something that is morally offensive. Or we're just going to acknowledge at some point that beating a woman doesn't really offend morals. Which shouldn't be surprising because peeing on a child, R. Kelly, didn't offend morals. People saw that on video and was still like, you know, step in the name of love. Self-included. It was a different time. I'm not proud of that. I watched the video of R. Kelly peeing on a child and then bought Chocolate Factory, what, two weeks later? Tops. Wasn't even a month. Had to search to buy it because it was sold out. This is when people were still buying CDs. It was sold out New York City-wide. I had to wait for the second shipment to come in to buy Chocolate Factory. So it was a lot of people that didn't give a fuck. Thought we'd maybe move forward as a society? Perhaps not. But Dee Barnes, she spoke to Rolling Stone. She had much to say. Correction, I said that incident took place in 1990. It actually took place January 27th, 1991. I just want to be accurate. The Rolling Stones also goes into detail about what happened with Dr. Dre and Dee Barnes. She, to this day, still has migraines, um, which, she's, which she says is because of that incident. Um, she says she gets a pulsing sensation in the exact spot where Dr. Dre slams her head into a wall. So again, for the people who are like, you know, it's been 30 years, like move on, get over it. She can't. She still has residual effects from that incident. So Dee Barnes did know in advance that Dr. Dre would be honored with an impact award, but she said she was, quote, shocked when she learned that the award was going to be named after him. She said, quote, I had no idea that this other thing, the naming of the award was coming at all. So she talked to Rolling Stone. I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's really lengthy. But but I want to share with you some excerpts that are, I think, notable of Dr. Dre. She said, quote, everybody wants to separate the art from the artist. And sometimes that's just not possible. Most people without a knowledge of Dr. Dre's history are going to say, oh, he must deserve that. He must be such a great person for them to put an award in his name. She continues, but they named this award after an abuser. It wasn't just a one or two time thing. These are choices. The first time, it's maybe a mistake. The second time, okay. The third time, it's a choice. 
But to name an award after someone with that type of history in the music industry, you might as well call it the Ike Turner Award. She also says that she's been blacklisted from the industry. She says, quote, for the longest time, I was like, that's not what's happening. It's not that. I've had plenty of people who will support me privately, but don't want it to be publicly known because of their business associations, dealings, or whatever. She says of Dr. Dre, because people always ask her, what do you want out of this whole situation? You're still upset. You still talk about this. And she says, um... Quote, when I think of what atonement looks like for Dre and me, I think of a missed opportunity where we could have sat down together on camera and hashed it out. I think that would have begun a journey of healing. I've put out the olive branch. Black women and grace, you know how we are. It wasn't accepted. But I think that's going to be the only thing to turn the tide, so to speak, if we have a come to Jesus moment in person, in public, because everything happened publicly. It's got to have closure publicly. I think that would be amazing. I think that that's not a large ask. I think that's incredibly reasonable. I also think that's incredibly far-fetched and it's never going to happen. Earlier this week on the podcast, I asked, can we name a man in hip-hop who this award could have been named after that isn't problematic? And two names kept coming back. It was Will Smith and LL Cool J. I agree with both. Even Will Smith post-slap, I'm fine with. And, and somebody wrote in to me. They were like, why does it have to be a man? Like, why can't it be a woman in hip hop? I think it could be a woman in hip hop. If I had my choice, I might choose a woman. I just, I just, I know America like I know America. Ain't no way they want to name a hip hop award after a woman. It just weren't. Not for the Grammys. It just wasn't going to happen. Last but not least, I want to share this part of what she said. D Barnes continues. She says, quote, I'm not the bad guy, but I am made into the villain. Very much like how they did Megan Thee Stallion during the trial against her attacker, Tory Lanez. I watched what happened to my little sister, Megan, and it was just heartbreaking to me because we have not changed in all these years. <sighs> I said it before this article came out. I said it on the podcast episode earlier this week. I'm with D Barnes. When I heard the award was named for Dr. Dre, I was like, are you kidding me right now? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? They weren't. A lot of missteps with the Grammys, Beyonce being one of them. But this Dr. Dre one, I think, is even more um, fucked up. Y'all know he beats women and nobody cares because he makes dope beats. Really? Yes, really. Ladies, I have a New Year's resolution for you that's actually easy to keep. This is the year to finally stop wearing uncomfortable bras. Support for today's episode comes from Honey Love. Honey Love has revolutionized the bra game, so you no longer have to deal with uncomfortable underwire without sacrificing support. You'll immediately feel and see the difference. Their bras are so comfortable, you won't want to take it off. And for a limited time only, you can get Honey Love on sale. Get 20% off your entire order with our exclusive link, honeylove.com ratchet. Support our show and check them out at honeylove.com forward slash ratchet. I've had so many terrible experiences with bad bras. I don't have this issue with Honey Love. Honey Love's crossover bra is so comfortable, it's sure to be your new go-to. This bra gives all the support of traditional bras without using any underwire. This is the one bra you'll actually enjoy wearing and won't want to take off. But it doesn't stop there. Honey Love has more than just bras. They have incredibly comfortable shapewear, tanks, and leggings for everyday support. Speaking of leggings, Honey Love's Legging 2.0 is another product that's making headways. They hold you in without the too tight feeling and are compressive, cooling, and comfortable. 
Whether your New Year's resolution is to get up and active or spend more time at home lounging. These leggings are the go-to for an everyday look or a workout at the gym. Treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com ratchet. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off, honeylove.com slash ratchet. After you purchase, they'll ask where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Start the new year with confidence, thanks to Honey Love. Folks been speaking up about wrongdoings all week. Gina Prince-Bythewood, she is, was she the director for The Woman King? But she has some things to get off her chest as well. Woman King director. She talked to the Hollywood Reporter about the Oscars shutout of the Woman King. She said, quote, this award season was an eye opener. So I know that like there have been a lot of conversations about Beyonce and how she didn't get album of the year for Renaissance. A lot of people said, yes, this is fucked up. And a lot of other people said, yeah, but, you know, focus on what she did get. It's like she has more Grammys than anybody. And, you know, she's selling out world tours and she's made all this money and put some respect on her name, even though she's never won album of the year. And Gina Prince Bythewood did this, I think, pretty amazing interview with The Hollywood Reporter. And she breaks down why these wins in these particular categories matter. It's not just as simple as, oh, well, it made a bunch of money and critics liked it and audience liked it. And so, you know, that should be good enough. And she was like, no, there's like real financial um, and power ramifications based on the awards and recognition that you receive from, in her case, the Oscars, in Beyonce's case, the Grammys. (laughs) She begins the article like this. She says, quote, I'm currently a producer on a project, and the executives were adamant that the director we choose be a black Oscar-winning director. And she says, while that sounds great, who would that be? In the 95-year history of the Academy Awards, no black filmmaker has ever won Best Director. No black woman has ever been nominated. She goes on to say that the Academy made a very loud statement And she said, for me to stay quiet is to accept that statement. So that's why she's doing this interview. She clarifies. She says, quote, the woman king wasn't snubbed. A snub is if it missed out on a category or two. This film was not nominated for one single craft. Not one single extraordinary performance was recognized. And when has that happened for a successful film that hit all the so-called markers? Let me go back because I skipped a piece in the article as I was scrolling. She outlines the wins of The Woman King. She says they had an A-plus cinema score, which only two other films achieved in 2022. She said they had a 94% fresh score on Rotten Tomatoes. She said, we're going to pass $100 million at the global box office, which is groundbreaking and historic. Sales on video on demand and DVD are great. So our film made money and clearly had a cultural impact. But no Oscar nomination, not one. And she asked, quote, when has that happened for a successful film that hit all the so-called markers? It's not a snub. It's a reflection of where the Academy stands and the consistent chasm between black excellence and recognition. And sadly, this is not just an issue in Hollywood, but in every industry. You know, something very similar came up with Beyonce. It was the, the voters for the Grammys. Let me look this up real quick. Even when I think I'm off, I'm on. I'm like remembering snippets of conversation. Because I remember there was an article. Oh, there was an article in Variety. Here we go. They interviewed Grammy voters 
about like how they made their choices. And you know, everyone has been up in arms about Beyonce not winning the album of the year. They explained it. One of the voters they spoke to, they explained why they didn't vote for Beyonce. And they said the fact that every time she does something new, it's a big event and everyone's supposed to quake in their shoes. Basically, they're saying that Beyonce's too big. Another person, this was a 30-something female singer. She said she didn't vote for either Adele or Beyonce in any of the top categories. She said, I love Beyonce's album and have been a fan of Adele, but I feel like they've already won a lot of Grammys. What? It's like you're punishing them for being too good. Black women just can't catch a break, man. She goes on to describe her experience during the award season. This would have made me want to punch somebody in the face. She says, I was struck by the Academy members who simply didn't want to see the film. People thought it was a compliment at some of our screenings to tell me that they had to be dragged there because they didn't think it was a film for them. Or they spoke of contemporaries who couldn't be convinced to come with them and being so surprised by how much they loved the film. To hear that over and over, it's tough to stomach. She goes on to say, I don't approach any film like that. She said, I saw everything everywhere all at once in Top Gun Maverick because I heard they were really good. She said, when you hear that, you go to the movie or you look at the trailer and say, I want to see that. That looks good to me. She said, we black women do not get that same grace. So the question we need to ask is, why is it so hard to relate to the work of your black peers? What is this inability of Academy voters to see black women and their humanity and their heroism as relatable to themselves? This is the last thing I want to read from Gina Prince-Bythewood. She talks about the importance of having an Academy Award and what difference it makes. And she says, quote, having an Academy Award or any of these Guild Awards on their resumes, the next time they go up for a job, they, they don't have to fight. But when we're not afforded this type of recognition, so many have to start back at square one. Okay, I lied. Because I think this applies not just to black filmmakers, but to black people in any industry across the board. Bythewood says, people ask, why do you care about awards? Why do you care about validation from a white organization? And she said, and that's the thing. The Academy and the Guild should not be thought of as white institutions. They're supposed to be made up of our peers. They're not. They don't represent the whole filmmaking community. But what awards give you is currency. They impact your standing. They impact the box office. They impact the steps you take in this industry. They impact who gets final cut. She says, it's a difficult thing to know for every black filmmaker and definitely every black female filmmaker that your work is not valued in the same way. This is a systemic American problem, which is why this felt so insidious and large. It's tough to enter something that's supposed to be judged on merit, but you know it isn't a meritocracy. I want our industry to be better. What does for your consideration mean when you don't press play? I felt really bad about the woman king. And I didn't even think about this. When I was in Paris, there were advertisements for Till in the train stations all over Paris. The, the movie about Emmett Till for Paris. And I didn't see Till because I can't watch certain kinds of content. Like it's just, it's, it's too emotional for me. But everyone ranted and raved about how good Till was. For the people who saw Till, like was it in, was it in Oscar conversation? Because I feel like that was a big movie that usually would have had some sort of Oscar buzz, some something. But I don't recall it being nominated for anything. I could be wrong. But I don't, I don't feel like it got any like love during award season. Being black is so fun, but being black is also like an incredible burden sometimes. Dealing with shit like this, like Gina said, like the systemic racism, like it just never ends. It invades every portion of your life. Like it's, yeah, fucking annoying doesn't, doesn't quite scratch the surface.
Support for today's episode comes from Jeannie Kane. Perfect timing, honestly, because the new year is here and my wardrobe could definitely use a refresh. Jeannie Kane is a California brand through and through, and their staples make getting dressed easier than it's ever been before. Think minimalist and effortless, but totally refined. From luxurious cashmere sweaters and iconic accessories to elevated versions of your everyday basics, not to mention the most incredible home essentials too. Jeannie Kane is here to help you live your best year yet. And for a limited time, our listeners get 15% off their first order. Go to Jeannie Kane and use the code RATCHET to get 15% off. I love Jeannie Kane. I started wearing it when I lived in LA and I order her pieces wherever I am. I get compliments every time I wear a Jeannie Kane sweater. What I love is everything in their collection is designed so intentionally. So you can style pieces together without a second thought. I can pair a Jeannie Kane sweater with everything from classic denim to a simple slip dress for a look that looks effortless and so put together. Jeannie Kane also has a stunning collection of home essentials. You know I just bought a place, right? Okay. They have timeless furniture pieces, cozy pillows and throws, perfectly curated decor, and the most incredible candles. Find your forever pieces at JeannieKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code RATCHET at checkout. That's 15% off your first order. J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com. Promo code RATCHET. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Last but not least for today, we need to talk about TJ Holmes and Amy. <laughs> I read in the Daily Mail that TJ Holmes is quote and unquote distraught about people calling him a predator. I read something the other day. There was a fourth woman who came out. And by fourth, I mean like there was the... There was the Indian lady who dated him. And then there was like the woman who told the story about the 24 year old. And then I want to say there was another woman who did like a first person essay and was like, I too dated TJ Holmes. I was like, how did any work get done in this office? But I'm reading this story on the Daily Mail. An unnamed source told the New York Post. They said he's distraught, completely distraught. He has a daughter. He hates that he's been painted as this predator. The source says you'd never suspect anything was going on, but apparently the weight of his own actions is now taking a toll. The fourth woman that I just spoke about, there was a story in the cut. It talked about the, quote, lewd cultural atmosphere at ABC News, which included another account of Holmes' alleged tryst with lower-ranking staffers. A woman identified in the piece by the pseudonym Sasha said that she and Holmes used to have sex in his office when she was an associate producer working the overnight shift. Damn. There was also another story about them that's been circulating all week. You know, they got let go from GMA. Apparently, Amy got a bigger payout than he did. I mean, she's been part of ABC longer than him, so that kind of makes sense to me. She's been there two years longer than TJ and had a higher profile within. This is, this is the Daily Mail's reasoning for why she got more money. She joined ABC in 2012, and Holmes came aboard in 2014. She also appeared on 2020 in addition to her GMA co-hosting duties. They were paid to go away. 
The New York Post speculated they were probably only paid the remainder of their contracts. If I remember, I want to say TJ was getting like a mil or two and Amy was getting three. I think that's what I read. And the New York Post also guesses they potentially got a little more than that to sign NDAs. This article doesn't say anything about Amy looking for a job. It says TJ is looking for a job. I think I read somewhere else. They were speculating that they might end up where Chris Cuomo is. I know Chris Cuomo's back on the air, but I ain't paid no attention to him. He did an interview with Kanye West when Kanye was like at the height of his meltdown. And I was like, this is beneath you. Like, you know, this man isn't well. Why are you interviewing him? But I haven't heard anything about Chris Cuomo. Is it News Nation? But they were talking about TJ and Amy might find a home over there. Apparently, they take all the people to get fired from the bigger networks. I mean, if you need a check, bills are due. I hope this is the end of the, the TJ Amy saga. I'm really just not that interested anymore. I would like to hear more about TJ and his wife. I'd like to hear much about that divorce settlement. I want to know what that's going to look like. Because you done fucked this woman over. She's a lawyer, too. You done fucked this woman over, publicly embarrassed her. And I was like, if you don't get some alimony, some child support, and some something for some pain and suffering. New York doesn't base anything in divorce on, on who cheated. Or, it's really a non-factor in New York divorces. But, you know, given the way that this man has publicly embarrassed her, I was like, please have a good attorney who's trying to get you some pain and suffering, some something. I want that woman to get paid for this bullshit. He was up at work using his office as real-life tender. Like, sir, you can't fuck everybody at your job. Like, what are you doing? What he did? Oh, TJ. All right, that's the episode for this week. I'll be back in full form on Tuesday. I just got to get my life together. Having electricity helps. If I could actually get some food in this mofo. Somebody asked me the other day, they were like, well, how do you keep food, like, you know, safe and good if the power goes out, you know, for two hours, you know, two and three times a day? Apparently, according to the CDC, because I had to like research this shit because I was like, do I need to even bother having food in the house? Apparently, if you leave the refrigerator door closed and don't let the cold air out, then food stays good for after four hours. After that, it gets a little sketchy. I was putting stuff in my shopping cart today and I was like, so no mayonnaise. (laughs) Put seafood in the freezer. Somebody else told me, too. They were like, buy a bunch of water to stock up your refrigerator because if the refrigerator is like empty... It gets hotter faster, but if there's a whole bunch of stuff in it, it stays colder longer. I was like, sure, I'll just, I'll buy a ton of water. It's cheap. I'll just, I'll stock up the fridge, the freezer with a ton of water. You ever need anything to drink? Come to my house. I'll have water, if nothing else. Need to order some wine, too. South Africa has amazing wine for cheap. Because, you know, it's like right there. That's not the point. The point is, that's it for today's episode. I'll be back next week. Well rested, God willing, and fully charged, and fully informed. Thank you for your patience while I, you know, go continent hopping and whatnot. We'll be back for a regular episode next week. All right, talk soon. Bye.